Welcome to Love Curvy Yoga, the podcast that's all about the intersection between yoga and body acceptance. Today, my guest is the delightful Pixie Campbell. I connected with Pixie through several friends who are raving about her and her work. I recently had the honor of taking a course with her on boundaries, which was just so good. Pixie, I wish I would have had this class like in elementary school and then I would have like rehad it every phase of my life. <laughs> but I'm really <laughs> glad that I got to it, <laughs> at least now. Thank but, you. Yeah, it just feels like required learning for everybody. Um, so Pixie creates and mediates a space for spiritual healing, creative integration, soul reclamation, truth-telling, and abundant flow. Welcome, Pixie. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I wanted to get us started with a question that I've been asking at the beginning. It's it's so interesting to always hear. Um, What was your relationship with your body like as a young person? You know, I had a really kind of insecure, detached relationship with my body growing up. I was always the shortest in my class the tiniest, the skinniest, the puniest, the flattest, Mm. you know, boy hips. So not curvaceous and not feminine. So I, you know, I kind of embraced a tomboy archetype and it's been a huge part of my, like my archetypal jam, you know, Mm. yeah. just moving, just figuring out how to navigate that and how to feel really feminine and how to gr- how to grow up essentially, and see my body as something, um, see it as sacred. Mm-hmm. And what has helped you on that journey? You know, definitely my spiritual practice, and mm-hmm. also just just the process of growing up, surrounding myself with women who love their bodies, living as we do in a culture that where if that's what you want to do, there are plenty of resources, mm-hmm. um, and just learning how to kind of love myself. You know. I'm over 40 and there's sort of like you hit this point at 40 where you've sort of got to start loving it or you're going to be in trouble. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, start to turn the tide. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, you really got to love what's going on inside and take care of what's going on outside and table all that judgment. Yeah, I love your emphasis on really being with women in community and learning from each other. I know that that's a big part of your work and what you do through Soul Lodge. And I want to talk to you about that. But um, before we do, I would love for you to just tell everybody who's listening a little bit about what Soul Lodge is. (laughs) Soul Lodge is my creation. It began a few years ago um, as both a virtual and a live safe container for women to come in and do their self-healing. We utilize the tools of indigenous peoples, ancient cultures. Um, We have a kind of a village mentality uh, with an emphasis on the gatherer as a female archetype, you know, like Mm. really embracing the divine feminine and being together, um, not going our soul work alone. So we're in there really to heal our whole selves Um, In the shamanic tradition, when we're doing our self-healing, we're really talking about spiritual illness, which causes, um, you know, the body and the mind to just experience, you know, breakdowns. And so Soul Lodge really helps us connect and heal our trust in ourselves, in our intuition, and our trust of other women, which seems to have gotten broken somewhere along the way. Mm, Yeah, I think so. I feel like 
broader culture enforces this idea that women should compete in order to separate us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, in your, so I feel like you're kind of touching on part of this, but I'm wondering if you have more um, examples of in Soul Lodge, what kinds of themes come up around women's relationships with their bodies? You know, I think that because we're working in the spiritual realm and sort of in the in the realm of the mind, we we probably don't go as much into soul lodge as our um I'm kind of saying that in a bungled way. In soul lodge, we probably experience our bodies much more through our spiritual relationships. Mm. So when so when we connect to spirit, we see our whole selves, mind, body, spirit as sacred. And so sort of like, I think if anything's come up at all, it might be around the incapability to do some of the things that, that women want to do, mm-hmm. such as if they want to be in nature or if they want to have a more rigorous um, relationship to nature, you know, they, they start to examine their limits and maybe that's, you know, that may really bring them into their bodies in terms of sensuality and um, their senses, which we work a lot with seeing and smelling and hearing and things like that. They're starting to tune into their bodies in a completely different way. It's really not about anything about what the body looks like, but about how it's an amazing um, vessel and container for a spiritual experience. I love that. um, When I first started practicing yoga, I did not come to it for any kind of body acceptance, for pain relief and some other things. Um, And what I found is that through feeling over time and being invited to do that over and over is kind of where the body acceptance started to creep in. And I feel like that's so similar when we hone those feelings and senses that we can come back into the body. Yeah. We also work a lot with like how certain things feel in the body. If you're having a, um, an experience with a guide or your counsel, for example, and um, something happens in dream time or in an alternative state of awareness, then you can you kind of bring that back to your conscious awareness and then run it through the filter of the body. Like where in my body am I sensing unrest or a wound or uh, where am I holding um, this? So it's so our relationship to our body is really in order to heal it. Spiritual illness often manifests through the body. So someone who's got chronic sore throats or um, you know lumps in their throat when they're trying to communicate may really want to journey literally inside of their throat and explore what's going on with their sacred voice and how to do that. You know how to do that healing and wake that aspect of themselves up. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, since I just did the boundaries class, this is right on my mind, um, how you think boundaries play into this conversation about self and or body acceptance? Well, I think that we all, we're all too willing to accept whatever's coming at us as, you know, as defining or identifying. And so, you know, I have this boundary essentially, I'm, that I'm sort of, um, just putting into words for you right now without having given it a lot of forethought. But I have this boundary that like when I open up a magazine, like I'm not going to allow what I see in there to dictate how I, how I think about myself. Mm. Um, like Cameron Diaz has a great ass, you know, but like, I'm not going to let that into my, I'm not going to bring that to my own altar. 
that would be toxic for me. Yeah. Well, it's so empowering to think about those choices. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, I'm not going to hold a standard. It would be a boundaries violation to hold anyone else to that standard. For example, my son or my daughter Mm. or my mother, you know, who doesn't necessarily take great care of herself. I would like to see her take better care of herself, but it's not my business. So I want to stay out of other people's, you know, body um, um, issues. And if I'm asked to help, I can I can frame it in a particular way or I can storytell on my own behalf in a way that isn't projective onto them. Because the body is a very – this is a very sensitive realm. Like we don't really have a lot of right to comment on one another's body. Yeah. <laughs> and we do it in a positive light, like, wow, you're looking – you're looking great or, oh my gosh, look at your arms or your firm thighs or, you know, even positive or negative feedback emphasizes the external body, in my opinion, a bit too much. Yeah, I agree. And we never know why someone's had changes in their body, right? So Mm -hmm. sometimes they're not always for positive reasons. Maybe it's illness or something like that. And it's a little, um, can get a little presumptuous, I think, when we comment on people's bodies. That's right. I mean, how many women who are going through a breakup or a divorce have their friends come up and they haven't been eating or sleeping or, you know, taking proper care of themselves on account of the stress and everyone thinks that they look fantastic. Right. <laughs> and you're like, I feel terrible. <laughs> I've been eating a week. <laughs> I'm, I'm eating rice cakes at the counter because I'm too afraid to put anything in my body. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so... I feel like I'm wondering if you have anything else kind of around this, um, what you see as the path towards more body and self-acceptance for people. I'm going to just be bold and say that I think the stronger your trust in um, a, um, a source of the, you know, the creator of all life, the more that you develop your spiritual connection, probably the more you're going to be set free of the kind of mortal coils, so to speak. Mm. I think that the more we're in touch with spirit and the more that we trust um, that there's something going on that's so much greater than our human form, then we can kind of start to let go of our obsessions around having perfect bodies and um, aging gracefully, physically, et cetera. Yeah, it's liberating. Yeah. When it reminds me of something that um, sometimes you hear yoga teachers say, which is stay on your own mat. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good boundaries teaching right there. Yeah. It feels a lot like that. And when you were talking earlier about um, not making other people's bodies your business, the first thing I thought was, wow, that is a liberating practice right there. Because it's something that's not always easy for us to do, but can really be transformative. Mostly we make other people's bodies our business. I know. We make everything our business. (laughs) You know, when I'm in yoga class, I will often look over at, you know, the person next to me and just think, wow, they're so much further along in their practice than I am. You know, comparison is sort of the thief of joy, as Theodore Roosevelt is famous for saying. And so I think that all of that staying on your own mat and, and, you know, not allowing other people's bodies in our, um, you know, to dictate how comfortable we feel is just a really important practice just to let people be who they're being and be who we are and just, yeah, stay on our own mat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tell us a little bit more about your relationship with yoga since you mentioned that. 
You know, yoga and I have been on and off besties for a long time. And <laughs> to that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our pra- sometimes we're like that friend that, you know, when you haven't talked to them for six months and when you finally get on the line with them, like you just pick right back up where you've left off. Right. That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are times where I, um, you know, I've moved a lot in the last couple of years, just trying to find home. And, um, in that process, I have, you know, I, I, I'm a creature of habit. So I love to find that special instructor and go get real intimate and form a bond with them rather than just making a practice of doing yoga. I really like to be a student because I'm teaching everywhere else in my world. Right. Um, so I like to get underneath somebody's wing and let that also be a nurturing practice for me so that when I go, I feel really held in my, you know, in my, um, in my body and in my health. And so right now I'm working with a woman just blocks from my house and I get to go one or two times a week, which is just plenty for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It just enables me to do what I do. You know, yoga was sort of created so that people could sit in meditation for long periods of time. Yoga is one of several things that I do with my body that allows me to go at the pace and work at the level of intensity as a space holder um, as I'm required to do. Yeah, because otherwise it's so easy to burn out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I gather from what I've uh, learned about you and from you so far that creativity and art are also a big part of your life and practices. Is that right? Yeah, I I moonlight as an artist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your work is so beautiful. We'll, we'll link to that as Thanks. well. How does that fit into kind of your grounding and other practices that you do to nourish yourself? You know, it's so I think that for me and for many personalities who have, you know, a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of different interests, it's very balancing. So if there are times when I extend myself greatly teaching, I will often kind of take refuge in my art making. If I've got an art making deadline, I'll sort of, you know, be able to balance and harmonize that with something like writing. So I find that I have to drift a little bit and that I can intuitively um, navigate um, through my different mediums. And my audience seems to seems to be totally okay with that. Some folks love to come and look at my art and some folks love to take my classes and some love to read my writing. And because I love to do all of those things, I've just figured out a way to do everything that I love the most and not have to choose one thing. And, um, you know, I combine my shamanic practice into my art making and then creativity often is a, is one of the greatest healers that we talk about when we're in soul lodge. And so it all just kind of weaves together in a really magical you know, synergy that I think serves, well, definitely serves my purpose. Well, I, I, I can't sort of do one without the other. They all hold each other in, in harmony. Yeah. Well, it seems like not only are all those things opportunities for people to engage with that, you're also modeling that synergy, which I feel like not everyone has a good model of that for. Yeah. And so many things, you know, there are times in a, in a woman's life where we are processing a lot of things in, intellectually. And then we get to this place where we kind of dive down a little bit into the underworld. And there are like, this is the realm of the mystery. And so we can't just talk about it. Like I can only paint those things or I can only really experience that through color. Mm-hmm. And so it just gives us a lot more dimension as a human to give ourselves varying mediums, you know, yoga being one of them. 
um, to express and to feel strong. Yeah. Are there any other tools that you like to use in this vein that maybe some of our listeners could give a try? You know, probably other than reading um, and just I'm a mother, so I'm very active at that. Parenting um, gives me the opportunity to reparent myself, Mm. which is really important in our sort of still persistent shamey culture and that's kind of slowly on the mend, at least in our corners of the world. Um, So besides reading and kind of devoting myself to study and travel and things like that, you know, just sort of taking – I'm on a perpetual artist date and – this lifestyle that I've created. So it's sort of anything goes, but in terms of solid practice, painting, reading, some kind of body movement and self-care around nutrition and movement, um, and, you know, doing the work that I love to do in the world. I also try to spend just as much time in nature outside as I possibly can, Mm. right. In the elements And, and ceremony and ritual are another huge part of my life. On the cross-quarter holidays and full moons and things, I bring a lot of conscious intention to what, you know, where I'm at and kind of um, try to create just some very basic rituals around that. Hmm. Now, I didn't ask you this ahead of time, so I'm going to put you on the spot maybe, but (laughs) (laughs) since you mentioned reading, I was like, oh yeah, I'd love to hear what some of your favorite books are. I bet some of our listeners would too. Oh my gosh, you know, like my loft is just bookshelf after bookshelf and there's piles and piles. I I keep trying to, con- to contain them and then they just spill out over. I know, I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll tell you, I can't necessarily tell you what my faves are because there's just too many, but I'll tell you what I'm reading right now. Great. Um, I'm reading The Four Elements by John O'Donohue. Okay. And I'm giving his um, Anamkara a revisit because Mm. it's just such a beautiful piece of work that makes me feel so purposeful in my existence. Mm. Um, I'm also reading The Language of Emotions, which is by Carla McLaren, I think. And I'm just really loving navigating feelings like I'm at this point in my life where I'm trying to just make room for every feeling and mm. <laughs> not not kick any of them under the bed. You know, I'm just really trying to get okay with everything that comes up. It helps me be a better mother. And um, and so I'm also rereading Carolyn Mace's Sacred Contracts. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for fun, one of my – oh, this is a super fun book. <laughs> and I'm not um, – not really well versed in Deepak Chopra, but I've been reading the seven spiritual laws of superheroes. Oh, nice. Oh, gosh, it's so fun. And <laughs> um, just brings like a lot of inspiration to those of us who are on a path of just kind of really radiating our, our lights. Yeah. Oh, those are great. I'm going to check those out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how can people connect more with you and your good work? What are the best ways to get involved? Probably through my website, which is pixiecampbell.com. Great. Pretty straightforward. And you have some classes coming up later in the year that people could um, check out? I've got another boot camp. I'm in a Soul Lodge spring session right now. I've got boot camp for um, the Sacred Voice, which is usually one of my best um, e-courses that I offer throughout the year. We worked with Whale in 2012. 
And this year we're working with the medicine of Raven mm. and just kind of finding our sacred song, really empowering and lifting the voice, bringing some boldness to that process. The boot camps are fun because it's like a two week power shot. You know, we get content every day and the dialogue is extremely rich. Mm-hmm. I did and love that about the boundaries one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sort of like, boom, boom, you've got it all. You get a chance to kind of wire it in. And then I'm doing a soul lodge in um, September and I'm doing one live retreat this year at Serendipity Retreats in um, Nags Head, North Carolina, which I'm very excited about. I didn't, I didn't get out much this year. Mm. So that's kind of the best way to connect. And then I have a, just a load of PDF courses that are really fun and really well-priced for people to just kind of dive in and get a little sample of, of what's going on. I'm actually running a half-off sale on those in, on July 4th weekend, which is like, it's like a circus when those, I do it twice a year. <laughs> I bet. People get very excited to dip in half off. That's great. Well, we will link to all of that so that everybody listening can check it out. Thanks. Yeah. So fun to be part of that community. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? You know, if anything, I think that I would just love to send a message to the women who are listening that they're enough and that they're beautiful, and that with the right um, communities and the right kind of tribe around you, you can really live into that. And whatever's challenging you, there are, there's just ample tools all, all over from so many of us who are just wanting to have the rich discussions, the conversations that you're really wanting to have, they're taking place somewhere. So mm. make, sure you, make sure you find them. <laughs> yeah, so much easier when you have that community support. Yeah, and a regular circle, like a monthly circle, saved my life about 12 years ago. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Pixie. It was great to talk to you, and thank you to everybody who is listening. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the beautiful work that you do in the world, too. Thank you.